The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. We have a special guest with us today, and I'm also, as always, joined by my good friend and co-host, Mike Cogdell. So before we get to our guest, Mike, we got to get a weather report for the Panhandle of Florida. Chris, what's going on this morning? Gray and overcast in Kentucky, but we haven't had rain in six weeks, so it's a welcome sight. Well, we talk about weather, you know, we talk about fires, and now we're talking about the Mississippi River drying up, so I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we'll continue to talk about the weather. The weather here has been uh, absolutely perfect, other than, I guess, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdell have two cars that don't start, and they're relatively new cars. Uh, we won't even go into that this morning. Going to have to have that baby towed away, but the weather's good. It looks like Halloween's going to be good. Remember, I've got 14 and 11, so they're still kind of doing the Halloween thing. Should be a nice night. Humidity's low, and... The weather has been absolutely um, perfect. And without tourists here, which I love tourists, but it's really fun to go to the beach and it's just empty with my great dog, Rue, and just let him run and swim and chase balls. So I'll tell you, gentlemen, other than a car not starting, life's pretty gosh darn good down here in the Panhandle. So let's get this baby rolling. Thanks, Mike. So today we're honored to have Brian Lauber as our guest. Brian, we're going to talk about a lot of things regarding disability insurance. But before we get started, I'd like you to do a couple of things for us, if you would, is A, give us a brief professional background of Brian Lauber, and then tell us what's going on with Ash Brokerage in the DI world. Thanks, Chris. First of all, the weather here is cloudy for Halloween, but I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana today. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, both of you. Brief background. Started as an advisor, uh, turned into a DI wholesaler soon after that and worked at Profit Life and Accident, I think, like both of you, and then proceeded to go up the ranks there and then went over to my first corporate gig at LMA Mutual, helped them build out their uh, distribution for disability. Then I went to uh, Principal Life and Accident. That's where I spent the majority of my time on the DI side as far as in the corporate world. Uh did that, as you know, and then I went over to the CMO of a mutual company in, in an app was called One America. I actually went back to principal after that, did another tour with them, and now I'm here at Ash Brokerage. So, Brian, tell us a little about what is going on with Ash Brokerage and DI. Obviously, the the the, the reputation for life insurance and annuities is is just awesome. But people haven't necessarily thought about Ash as a huge DI rider. Uh, so, tell us about what has going on and what will be going on there. Yeah, everything's centered around growth. Uh, when I look at where Ash Brokerage is at, you're right. They're known as a as a premier life insurance DGA across the United States for annuities. They also have long-term care, and they have MedSup. So they have a lot of different product lines. And a lot of the business in the past has come from national accounts. So they have a lot of really solid relationships that go back 10, 15, 20 years. It's all built around a service model back when... Remember when GAs used to run illustrations and do everything and do paper apps? That's where they built it on. Jim Ash and Tim Ash built a, in my opinion, one of the best high-tech, high-touch uh, brokerage operations in the United States of America. And when I looked at it, they had 
there's growth written all over it. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities that you know we're not meeting the need of the consumers. So we're going to focus on how we, first of all, work with our current relationships. And then we're looking for new ones. I was brought in to think a little bit differently as, yes, let's continue to serve who we're serving, grow that business, but also look for other opportunities that might be out there in the marketplace. So, Mike, I know you're loaded for bear with questions with your good friend, Brian Lover, so I'm going to kind of turn it over to you. Why, Chris, thank you. First, I have to mention that uh, I, I'm honored to do this podcast with these two gentlemen today because I wouldn't be in this business if it wasn't for the two of you. Chris Carlson, just to – I don't think I've ever told anybody this one. Maybe I did it in a podcast at the beginning. Chris actually got me my first job at Provident uh, in Seattle when he left uh, many, many years ago. I met him. I had just left the Army, met him at a University of Arizona-Iowa football game, I think. Wasn't it, Chris? You're spot on. Yeah, and we had a and we had this conversation, and he he called Rick Marsnack up in Seattle and said, "God, you're going to want to hire this guy." Why he thought that I don't know, probably because I don't shut up. But anyway, so Chris actually got me into the business, and then um, part B to this whole thing is Brian Lauber. I was uh, I met Brian in Chicago. He moved there to become the manager of Providence, and I went there to work with Brian, coming out of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after leaving Seattle. So I moved around a little bit too. And then subsequently, as the years went by, I am the one guy that gets to say I had uh, one boss with three different corporations. And I guess Brian is the only guy that would put up with me for that long or that much. So I went with him everywhere I went. And to this day, I'm extremely excited to still be in this business and doing it as it's great to have Brian back in the DI business. And Brian, first question for you for me is, is relatively simple. Not what gets in your way, not any of that. but in the world of DAI, what do you think the biggest missing component is now? Make this easy. Producers not selling disability insurance. What do you think it gets in their way the most? Uh, I think it comes down to education and training. I, I, I look at, you know, there's, you know, what's the issue? What's the deep core issue? When carriers exited the business years ago, they quit training their advisors on DAI. Um, and then all of a sudden it was assets under management, assets under management. And asset center management, that's how all advisors were measured. So they've been reprogrammed and the, the, the entire risk side, uh, in some aspects has been forgotten by the asset part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that model. The asset model is great, but you have to protect those assets and life insurance and DI and long-term care and other risk products have been kind of excluding that. So I, I think. If you ask me, our biggest challenge is to get in, and I've talked about this for quite a few years now, is figure out and get back with the advisors, build relationships with them, teach them that illustrations don't sell this product, you have to have a conversation, and the whole concept of just income protection. Let's just talk about it and walk them through it. Because if they won't do that, I don't think they should even order an illustration. I've been on the road quite a bit, you know, Rubbing elbow with advisors, talk to them, ask them why they don't sell it. They're just not, they just, they're them to reprogram. So we have to reprogram them and then remind them, build a relationship with them and show them it's easy. It's never been easy to sell a product. So I think we just got to reprogram ourselves and we have to continue to push. One of the reasons I did this is I think I need to have an impact on the industry. And the only way to do that is being advisor centric and get them to get more advisors talking about income protection, not presenting it, not selling it, just talking about it. 
Brian, why do you think that we went away from risk products? I think, you know, and I, I mentioned this a couple of podcasts back, you know, there's two products in my world that you have to discuss, not life insurance, but you have to discuss permanent life insurance in the same manner that you have to discuss disability insurance. And we'll call it income protection or disability insurance. And, and my point is, there's a lot of people that can sell a, a whole life product all day long. And it's not overly complicated if you've been in the business for, you know, 30 some years like us. But there are still there's some moving parts to it of why you're buying it. You know, it, it, some people buy it for various reasons. Uh, one is the cash value. Other one insurance up until the day that, you know, they, they leave this earth with income protection. Don't you agree that it, it, it's really as simple as that? You just said, you know, the AUM. If I've got $15,000 a year or $20,000 a year to give you, Brian Lauber, my, my guy, you're my guy, you're, you're my financial planner. Why would we not? And tell me what you, tell me what you would do. Why would we not say we're going to take two grand to the 15 to make sure that we don't lose it? And that comes income protection. I mean, we all know we've done 81 podcasts, I think, Chris. And at this point, we've probably done, you know, 80 sales ideas, some the same, some different talking about. Everything from, you know, if you have the crystal ball, we see something happen every day in our life where somebody's impacted by some type of disability, some kind of accident, something. Why do you think it is that people, because when you talk to people, let me back up. When you talk to somebody that sells it like crazy, they have one comment. Well, Brian, it's easy to do. It's just not hard to sell disability insurance. Those are people that sell it all the time. Why is it the whole rest of the group, which I would say is what? Chris, what do you think? 95% of all others just say, I, think it's too complicated. I mean, what is the reason? What do you think the reason? Well, I don't think there's a reason not to. I think actually any, and we can, this is not a cliche, but income protection is a corner to the financial planning. So I've been on the road and here's what I've been telling advisors. Let's have the income, income, not income protection. Let's talk about income. What does income fit in the equation of financial planning? Well, first of all, you have an income and that's what you draw from to put money away for retirement and you pay for everything. Makes sense, right? The more you make, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So your income drives your ability to save for a future date, which the whole key to financial planning is, after a whole bunch of gyrations and Monte Carlo models, is I'm going to draw a stream of income for most people, right? We're not talking about the people who are uber wealthy that have trust funds and they have already assets creating, generating money. But for the average working American, what we're trying to do is get to a certain amount of income built above assets to draw a path, a monthly income to live. And that's going to be my 401k, my social security, and X. So I kind of been doing this. I'm talking to advisors. How much do your, your customers need to retire? Okay. And they're going to say, my customer needs eight grand a month. That's the question. So what do they need to, before they retire? And I really think you should protect it on both ends. So let's not, let's not get into a whole big thing that's just disability income because that makes them uncomfortable. So I'm trying to teach advisors to have the conversation. Is income important to financial planning? Yes. Should you protect it? Not just when you're working. And the question is, are, is you, are you working for your money or is your money working for you? And, the, and then the transition would be from while you're working, you need income protection. And after you retire, don't you need to protect that stream of income as well? What's the worst thing I was afraid about right now is inflation. If I'm on a fixed income, and I'm only drawing X a month and I can't change that because I might run out of money or inflation is eating away at it. I'm in a real bad spot. So if you talk to people about that common sense saying you should, you think you should protect it. 
And then based on their age and where they're at, be able to protect it with annuities and Medicare supplement and long-term care. Um, and if they don't, they run the risk of losing everything. So then I go back to, there's no one else to talk about right now because it's uncomfortable, right? And we want to talk about underwriting. That was the biggest, I get under, well, it's hard to underwrite. No, it's not. It's never been easier in the history of, since I've been in the business, it's easiest possibly to be. And here's the other question. If you're a financial planner, should you know my health and my family health history? Because if I'm going to live a long time, and I come from you know heritage that you know hereditary, we live a long time, that might impact my financial plan. But what if I come from a situation where most of my brothers and everybody else have had heart, heart attack, my dad didn't live beyond 65, all that stuff? Doesn't it have an impact on your health, on your planning for financial planning? My health, I think, is important in my planning. So I said, well, you already, you should ask it anyway. It makes you a better financial planner. Cause if you don't ask me, isn't my whole thing based on how long I live? So I try to take, I try and take the sting and excuses out of it, Mike and Chris, just so we can have a conversation again. This is not a slick illustration. This is let's talk about it. And I think you need income protection. It takes courage to say that. If I sat down with you for 15 minutes and had the discussion, Mike, and they said, you know, Mike, I think you need income protection. I know you're covered at work, but it only covers this. Let's not get into the technical part of it. Do you agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. And and Brian, you, Chris, and I are just a little over the age of 40. And I'm talking to a bunch of friends right now. And we've seen what the market has done this year over the last, call it, 15, 12 to 15 months. And I've got friends in their late 50s. And let's say they had a million bucks in their 401k, <laughs> right? And we all know this. Right now, it's at 700 to 750, depending on where they're invested. Is that fair? Yep. It is. So to talk to, and these are people in the business. Imagine freezing that today, just freezing it. And so you've got the point, like spot on. Imagine freezing that today from a million and you really were planning on a million two and that was you and the spouse are like, once we get to a million two, we should be good. Well, now we're back at 750. Imagine that never having the opportunity to make that up. So, I mean, I think that you're 100% spot on. And this question is, is straight back to you and Ash. So what, what are your theories of people coming to lunch and learns and seminars and all of the things that Chris, Brian, and Mike did way back in the Provident days, all the way, we built our Illinois mutual work based on seminar sales, right? Getting people to come to meetings, interact with one another and talk about how this isn't that hard to do. It's not impossible. What are your thoughts on that? Getting back, um, as I say, where the rubber meets the road, you know, this whole yeah. business is between four eyes, as they say. It's not just technology. I've loved it. That's, been, that's what I've been doing the last three weeks. I've, I don't know how many advisors we saw, but Ashley has been hosts and study groups, and we got invited to be part of it, and we're being asked that we're in a planning session this year. We're going to ask to be part of these study groups all over, and they started it because just risk products in general. So we all go in. And I have to tell you, it's, it, this has not changed. I talk to you about it. I sent them all, I sent all the advisors in those meetings a follow email from me and our team. I actually, you know, I hate to be this way, but there's some people in the audience that are more proponent to continue to write not just three apps a year, but the person that could do one a month. I, I follow up with each of them personally. I'm, I myself, which, you know, people, um, I'm a player coach. I'm not going to ask any employees to do something I wouldn't do, but I have to lead by example. So it's about, you're exactly right. Go meet them eye to eye. Follow up. And then 
I'm like, we're going to continue to follow up. We're going to do a drip campaign with them. What I do, if, if there's any advisors who listen to this, is, is, you know, if you get a chance, go to a, a lunch and learn it because it, it kind of, and, and a lot of the great ideas come from each other's peers, right? So we're sitting there and I'm talking about it and then you get some exchange going with advisors on some ideas and then they build a little bit of camaraderie and it's like, hey, I, I don't think that, and these are simple ideas, right? I'm not going to make you go out and just go prospecting because you've been in the business and you're experienced. Let's just, everybody has an annual review. Let's keep it simple. Every single financial planner has to do an annual review for their investment stead. That's when you review their income protection. And Mike is used to always say, oh, by the way, we just have to, we, we, the number of people I could go to a meeting for here at Ash is, just blows me away because of the national account forum. I have to also use social media to follow up to stir up the people I can't see face to face, but I prefer face to face. I think it increases our chance of success, Mike. I, no, I know it's got to more than double. I don't have any stats on it, but I'll, we're going to tag everybody. We don't, but Ash has a very strong technology platform. So we're tracking everybody that goes through this and we're going to see if these are paying off. I think they are because I've already had some success on the DI side with cases and people that didn't write before. And first, you know, the first thing was get them right on themselves. <laughs> so that was my, Absolutely. yeah, let's write on ourselves first, guys. Let's go. Well, um, you know, it truly is crawl, walk, run, and we all understand. I mean, that concept is, you know, there's only a handful of people that write lots. But, you know, as we've done every single podcast, Chris, since the beginning of time, and this is number 81, it gets to the point where you just kind of wonder how hard is it to ask somebody, and I've said this a million times, is your risk protection package current and up to date? And as soon as somebody asks what that is, you have the ability to go forward and do it. So with that being said, Chris, what do you got for Mr. Lobber here as we, as we wind down our podcast this morning? Obviously, a lot has been made over the uh, acquisition of Ash by Integrity. What impact is that going to have on your DI department going forward? First of all, they supported the hiring of me to grow the DI business. So it sends a message to me loud and clear that they understand the business. So as they did a bunch of homework prior to this and figured out the economics and where it fits in the marketplace. One, it gives us an, a competitive advantage to add to our arsenal to the, some of the integrity partners don't have a DI back room. So now you can offer more. The whole integrity thing, if you look at it, it's, it's much, it's obviously, it's much bigger than DI. Uh, we just round out the account and we will provide service to the integrity partners that don't want to build a DI back room. We'll do it for them. I think it gives them another arrow and a quiver to go out to the market. I was pleased because during this process, Integrity just said, we know we don't have an interest in that. But their model is really unique. They are centralizing certain resources, unlike other private equity firms. Uh, we are leveraging other partners and expertise. We could spend an hour with Todd, our technology guy, uh, Chris, and the stuff that's going on would just would, would blow your mind with those capabilities. And other products are way ahead of us on the DI side. But what's interesting? Is what they're, you know, actually changing the insurance industry. We'll get the benefit of that on the DI side because it will trickle down and I have direct access to technology that I would never have in, a, in, a, in another organization, the capabilities that we have here. So, Brian, I'm going to uh, combine a couple of things we've talked about today is, you know, the integrity adding, you know, hundreds of thousands of agents under the umbrella and then your passion for training and education, what I'm so excited about is your 
ability to actually bring that to those tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of advisors, giving them access to that coaching and training, which by default is just going to raise the tide. So, I mean, to me, that is something that's really exciting for us as a DI industry. The actual number of advisors under the umbrella is over a half a million. So, Brian, all you need is get each one of them to write it on (laughs) yourself. You're going to have a good year then, right? Yeah. uh, Well, uh, here's the thing. I'm I'm realistic. i got to serve my existing national accounts first. I think there's a huge opportunity there. We will provide service to the integrity partners that want it. But as you know, a lot of their uh, businesses, the elderly market, that's not going to be a DIA market for us. So if even 10%, that's 50,000 advisors. So I'll take that. We'll take that. 50,000 apps. That'll be good. Hey, Brian, let me ask you this. What excites you most about the DI industry currently? I am excited to go kind of shake it up a little bit. I think we've been stagnant. It's not about a product enhancement or a repricing of a product. Um, I'm excited about bringing some stuff to the market from that standpoint. I mean, app app fulfillment. I think we'll see instant issue before my days are done in this business. Um, And that's just the technology side of it. I I think if an agent says, I really don't want to write it and I'm really good at it, all you got to do is sell it through a drop ticket and we fill out the app form. It's all electronic anyway. I mean, we're going to do that with a benefit update. So we we have the capability today to do instant issue. We already do it with annuities and life insurance. And we have a voice recognition app fulfillment on Medicare. So think about that. At a certain point, a person, you just ask the questions and it's going to fill out the app. That has to be done. It's required. Well, they've already built the technology. A couple of really smart people that are part of integrity build the technology that people answer the questions. It, it fills out the app. That at all is a mind-boggling to me to make it that much easier. I'm going to concentrate on the front end because that's all coming, right? That's kind of the high tech. I'm going to focus on the high touch because I can get people to have a conversation and back it up with technology that no one else has. It's going to make it easy for advisors. And I'm not, you know, there's enough advisors out there for us. We're not really competing. I've got my, I got enough on my plate. They say grace over. So what I need to do is focus on them, make sure that they understand it. If I can teach them to have a conversation and combine that with best in class technology, we're going to be successful. Well, Brian, let me do a 180 on you. What scares you most about the DI industry today? Oh, yeah. This is, um, I, I have a, I have a concern that, you know, as you guys know, I was away for a while and I came back. And it seems like we're still stuck in this more of a product-driven, rate-driven. That that scares me because that really isn't what sells the product. And I know there are some occupations that buy definitions. But it concerned me that they had not changed that much. Uh, I think the technology and the e-issue and e-app and all that stuff we've all everybody's talked about has gotten better. I think we've lost the key, which is building a relationship with advisors. I've I've sensed that's gotten a little more, we've gotten mechanical and that kind of concerns me. As I, as you guys know, back in the day, we would drive around and call on brokers and meet them face to face. And it was like a paper route. 
and you know, stopping to see people and shake hands. And I know we had COVID. I I, I know that, but even just, I think we got to get away from the product pushing. I'm concerned that there's not enough carriers in the market that are doing it. I'm thankful that New York Life has come into the business, not because I mean they'll be a competitor, but you know that's I don't know what twelve thousand advisors talked about income protection. I mean I can't do us any harm. I mean I'm not running into them. Uh, Mass Mutual has kind of geared back up and gotten back into the brokerage business. I think that's a good thing. I would like to ask the carriers, you know, that to you know maybe help us invest in these meetings and stuff. That would be it because that. That's, that'd be my two concerns. It's, it seems very mechanical, very product driven. And we fall away from, it's going to sound a corny phrase, but there, you know, we've lost the high touch part of it. I think we've gone too high tech. Uh, that's, that's why you asked me here at Ash. I'm not going to worry about the technology. I'm going to concentrate on building relationships with people and people that want to have a conversation and have the courage to talk about a tough subject because it's easy to talk about the other things. 100% agree. Mike, last question for Brian before we let him go to work today. No, I think he's pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, with all the technology in the world, and Brian has just you know, commented on this two or three different times in 20 minutes, all the technology in the world, until somebody understands that this is more of a, 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 of a must, for lack of a better term, you must have this. There's no reason that you should not have this. Until we get people to understand that, it's not a hard conversation. I don't think, and do you, Brian? It's not a hard conversation. It's getting people to say things as simple as, you know, I when I hear I don't have time for this, it's almost like, then what do you have time for? You know, you, the easy question is, if you don't have time for this, what do you have time for? Because when your client doesn't own it, then they walk out the door every single day on their way to work, Monday through Friday, at risk. And it's something that we can prevent. And Brian, I, I, I think that you... You know, anything that I can do and Chris can do to help you with seminars. And I agree, you know, get carriers reinvolved in, in, in helping us, you know, get to people. I think people want to be seen. And that's my last question for you, Brian. Don't you agree? You just said you've been on the road for three weeks. People don't mind seeing and having this conversation. Would you agree? A lot more because we were locked up for two and a half years. doesn't matter how much of a hermit you are. Don't you think that people really want to talk to somebody about something? I think all, I mean, I'm, I mean, we get down to the human element of what people want. Everybody wants to be taken care of, loved, and they need connection. I don't know what it is, and I don't want to get all psychological, but how many, I mean, actually, you're supposed to have so many hugs a day to be healthy. The human element um, is important. It shows you, I think it shows you care. And I, and, and I think if you, if you love and care about your customers, you need to have the conversation. Um, and if, if they, if what's the worst thing that can happen, they never get mad and drop their assets under management with you. It, it, I think you, they would respect you, even if they don't buy it, even if they don't need it. Let's say I, I, I got all I want, but I, I think, I think we got to get back in the streets and have the meetings and rubbing elbows and sharing dinners. I, I'm even willing to do it with, you know, when you're traveling, you usually get sick because you know, the air in the planes is bad and like that. I, I think it's worth the risk. If I, you know, I've gotten all the shots, but if I go out and tell the story and I get more advisors to do this, I mean, I'm, I don't have serious health ailments, thank God. Uh, if I get COVID, I just probably, you know, kick my butt for three to four days. And 
you know what? At this point, that's part of, of the risk of taking what we need to do. I think it's that important that we get out and do our job. I said to this once to Chris when you and I were talking and Mike, you know me, there is a lot of work that is undone. Uh, and I feel an obligation to do it. I, I think I need to shake some things up, make the care with all the carriers I work with. They know me. We're going to grow the business. I'm going to challenge them and I'm going to ask them to invest in things that we need to do. That's seeing people. Thank you guys for doing this podcast. This is one of the things I think that needs to be done. The story needs to be told. And I, Chris, this is a plug for you and your DAI coach thing. If you're an advisor out there listening and you don't have a coach in anything that you do, I think you remain the same. I mean, you have athletic coaches, we have trainers, we have doctors, we have all this kind of stuff. This is a plug for you, Chris. If you're out there and you're an advisor, even if you want to do a little bit of business, check out this stuff. It's good. It works. And Mike, you just keep the faith. If you're doing what you're doing, you're talking about it. Well, Brian, right now I'm going to commit to you in 23. I'm going back on the road, my friend. I'm going to go do seminars where I can, as often as I can, to, to see if we just can't shake the trees. And you know what? We're interested because it's our living and it's our job. But I think that we have the ability, if we all work together, to get a heck of a lot more people, as they say, in our corner. So for that, I thank you for being on today, too. Greatly appreciate your time. Thank hey, you. Brian, before I let you go, can you give everybody your contact information in case they want to reach out to you? Sure. My email is brian.lobber at ashbrokerage.com. So if anybody needs anything, reach out. And hey, Mike and Chris, I'll probably see you guys on the road because I have a feeling I'm going to be out there too. So if I can ever help you guys, you let me know. The Road Warriors. Brian, thanks for your time. Mike, as always, great to be with you. Thanks, everybody. Gentlemen, thanks. Have a good week.